Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Lots to talk about uh, uh, politics uh, in this province. So once again, front and centre, plenty of reaction to the apology earlier today from Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson, as well as the release of the BC Liberal platform, all gearing up for the big debate happening this evening. Also coming up on the program today, a new overdose prevention site is being debated right now at Vancouver City Council. We are going to talk to a peer clinical advisor with the Overdose Emergency Response Centre and the BC Centre on Substance Abuse to get his take on the location proposed for this site and what kind of a difference it could make. We're also talking condo insurance today. The NDP floating the idea of a public option for condo insurance. We'll talk about that in the final hour of the program. But picking up on something Mike Smith was talking about, we heard from the Liberal Party leader in BC earlier today. And joining me to talk about how things have unfolded in BC and looking ahead to the debate is David Mosscrop, who is the author of Too Dumb for Democracy, also a postdoctoral fellow in the Department of Communication at the University of Ottawa. David, great to have you back on the show. Always a pleasure. Uh, Generally speaking, how would you say things are going as far as an election campaign, uh, albeit that we're talking about an election that was called uh, a snap election during a pandemic? Well, a bit underwhelming. (laughs) The NDP lead was astronomical going in. It's it's remained astronomical. Uh, The NDP campaign itself has been steady. The Liberal campaign... If I can borrow a line from a show that, that many political observers tend to love, thick of it, it's like watching a clown running across a minefield. And uh, it, it's been difficult to watch. And anyone who paid any attention over the course of the weekend got a glimpse of just how difficult it can get. And, uh, you know, you, you've got to, as I joked, you know, on Twitter, if, if, if the liberal campaign gets any worse, they're going to have to register as, as an in-kind donation to the NDP. <laughs> Uh, so what is it do you think then that that happened there in that uh, the the video that was leaked on the weekend and I don't know that anybody would suggest that that wasn't planned the person who sent that to a contributor a contributor who act- actually here on CKNW uh, that that was that, that the timing of that uh, seems like that was orchestrated to make sure that came out on the weekend that gives a, a few days for people to be talking about it today we had the apology from the liberal leader uh, on the same day that we're going to have the debate tonight yeah i mean I, I don't know what what the ultimate thinking around the the release was other than the, the email that accompanied it uh, the email to mo that accompanied the release of the video that said you know bowen ma deserves better than that and here it is the video is from september um from uh, from a roast quote unquote uh, you know it was recorded everyone would have known or been able to know that it was being recorded but you're right i mean it was from september it's released roughly a month later and but what you know what's interesting about the the timing wasn't so much necessarily the release of the video itself, but how long it took the liberals to respond. You know, it, it's Thanksgiving weekend, so you know I get it. People are trying to enjoy their weekend. But Andrew Wilkinson, you know, issued a sort of fairly weak apology, as did uh, Jane uh, Thornthwaite, the next day. But then had no media availability until today. So the thing just sort of simmered there for a couple of days and got uptake over Thanksgiving weekend. And then, of course, we saw Andrew Wilkinson's response today, which was, which is again pretty, pretty weak, and and threw his candidate under the bus, and leaving you with the, the question of, you know, if you're the leader of the party, why didn't you say something at the time? 
And what do you, how do you respond to his response to that was uh, many of the people on that call, on that Zoom call, knew at the time that it was inappropriate, knew that uh, Jane Thornthwaite shouldn't be saying those things, but that it's difficult to, sh- to shut things down when you're talking about a roast and when you're talking about something happening in that kind of private environment. Well, I mean, that's where the where part of the work to combat sexism needs to be done. I mean, if the, if the idea is that we only fight sexism, um, you know, when we can do it at times where it won't make people uncomfortable, then we're never going to fight sexism. It's always going to make people uncomfortable, especially those who are being sexist. So that was exactly the moment to do it, because this is where these things happen. And then they sort of percolate out into the world. Um, and if you're the leader of a party, at a public event, because the event was public, you had to register, but it was, it was listed as a public event on Facebook, um, then you have a, have a duty to step in because you're meant to be a leader and not just sort of assume that everybody implicitly, implicitly knows it's wrong because not everyone does know it's wrong. And, you know, as a leader, you're supposed to, to signal when things are inappropriate rather than after the fact say, well, you know, you know what you did and assume that people knew because they don't. And if you watch the video, I didn't get that sense at all. No, because you can hear the laughter and you can yeah. see uh, the, the response, some responding more uh, than others. But I guess the, the one of the questions that comes from this as well is, does it change the minds of voters? No, I mean, <laughs> very little um, in most elections it ever changes the mind of a voter. I mean, a few probably here and there. But in this election, I mean, not a chance. Uh, you know, I, I think what it will do is cost the liberals time because now they're talking about this and and instead of talking about what they want to talk about they'll cost them energy it might cost them a little bit of of you know grassroots support people get turned off by this so there are sort of opportunity costs there are time costs there are agenda setting costs it's not i don't think it's going to affect the bottom line of the election especially given the ndp is so far ahead uh, and when you talk about things uh, that people get turned off by, this has also been, uh, while things are, are strange and different uh, for everybody, this has also pre- been a pretty predictable election campaign in that one party promises something, another party says, there's no money to back this up, don't listen to them, they're lying, listen to what we're saying, they say something, the other party says, don't listen to them, they're lying, they're not going to do that. I mean, people must get sick of that. Does that not also turn people off? I mean, voter turnout is sort of structurally pretty low. I think what turns people off is that they're sort of routinely not brought into the process and only asked, you know, every four years or three years or, you know, or so to to be a part of a democracy by casting their ballot. So they feel kind of used by parties. They don't feel like they get to help set the the policy agenda. But, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's ultimately people aren't going to look at this and say, oh, you know, this is some revolutionary change in the way elections are fought because parties are calling one another out. They just sort of say, oh, it's business as usual. Which of these two sides do I trust to run the province during a pandemic? Because I think what it will ultimately come down to in this election is who you want at the helm to get through the pandemic and then to help the recovery afterwards. So it's, in a sense, a sort of judgment call based on the assessment of competency as well as a little bit of the future, but a lot of it's going to be look backwards looking um, in terms of assessments, not, not forward looking. Do you think that because we are in a pandemic that that will factor in, in that you probably, it's, it's not all that uh, frightening or you don't think about continuity of government under normal times. Do you think that's going to be what people are thinking about when they vote? 
I mean, maybe a, a little bit. You know, it's not like people have, have never sort of changed a government in the midst of a crisis or, or just after one. I mean, the, the example I like to use, although it's not exactly the same thing, was, you know, Winston Churchill won the, helped win the Second World War uh, in the United Kingdom, and he lost the election immediately afterwards. Uh, that happens, you know, all the time, to some degree or another. Uh, you know, the BCNDP was, was popular before, and I think that's one of the big you know, markers, is that they were popular before, so people liked them even before this became an issue. And so if you add this on top of it, there's no reason to change your mind. So there might be some of that continuity going on. People will get nervous, you know, the old don't change a horse in stream thing. But if that horse is wildly unpopular, it gets changed. But in this case, that's not the case. And finally, David, how important are debates? We have the first leaders debate tonight. Is that a make it or break it for anybody? As a democratic theorist, and a writer on democracy. I know I'm supposed to love debates, but I kind of think they're pointless. <laughs> you know, they're good spectacles, but like no one's changing their mind based on the debate. We watch it because it's bread and circus stuff. Um, if anyone has a chance to benefit, it'll be Sonny First Snow and the Greens because third parties or, or sort of you know third, fourth, fifth parties in debates have a chance to to cut into some of the leading party supports. They get you know they get on the stage a little bit more, but this isn't going to make or break anything. Although it could be good theater. All right. Uh, We will, uh, I'm sure, talk to you uh, again before this is all said and done. David Moskrop, thanks so much for coming back on the show. My pleasure. Take care. You too.